the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WLCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Online at Let's Talk Or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre recorded. Understanding prophecy is difficult enough, difficult enough without having to sift your way through commonly misunderstood and misinterpreted verses. And that's why we're going through Mark chapter 13 just piece by piece, very slowly, because I want you to understand it. We want to know exactly what this chapter is about. And I think the key thing that will help you and keep Mark chapter 13 in perspective is that Mark 13 is dealing about the future, a future time known as the tribulation period, a seven-year period of time in which God is, is going to do some very unique things in that time period, the context tells us it is, it is a chapter focusing on the end times. It is not during the church age. The church will have been raptured before this ever begins. Misinterpreted Verses. This sounds like it's going to be fun. And by fun, I mean interesting, and that we will learn something that perhaps we didn't know before. Hello and welcome. It's time again for Verse by Verse, a radio program that seeks to truthfully teach what is in God's Word. Our teacher, Pastor Steve Kreloff, is the pastor of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We have been studying a series that is titled Birth Pains for the Kingdom, and it has been very interesting. On today's program, Pastor Steve will, among other things, be talking about false messiahs, conflicts between nations, and calamities on earth. All the makings of a fantastic story. Except, this story is real. If you're not able to listen to the whole program today, let me encourage you to surf over to versebyverseradio.org and look for the Archives tab where you will find the program you may have missed. Right now, though, we are going to jump into today's Verse by Verse program. I invite you to open your Bibles to Mark chapter 13. We have been studying Mark chapter 13 for some weeks now, and we are proceeding. This is a parallel passage of Matthew 24. Normally, Matthew 24 is covered because it's a little fuller in, uh, in its presentation, but we are studying Mark 13 as we go through the book of Mark. Mark chapter 13, and I'll start at verse 9. But be on your guard, for they will deliver you up to the courts, and you will be flogged in the synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all the nations. And when they arrest you and deliver you up, do not be anxious beforehand about what you are to say. But say whatever is given to you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but it is the Holy Spirit. 
and brother will deliver up brother to death, and a father his child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all men, or be hated by all on account of my name. But it is the one who is endured to the end who will be saved. But when you see the abomination of desolation standing where it should not, where it should not be, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let him who is on the housetop not go down or enter in to get anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not turn back to get his cloak. But woe to those who are with child and to those who nurse babes in those days. But pray that it may not happen in the winter. The passage that I have just read to you contains, unfortunately, some of the most misunderstood verses and misinterpreted verses in the Bible. For example, and it's, it's unusual to have in one passage so many misunderstood verses. For example, uh, verse 10, and the gospel must first be preached to all nations. This verse has been used to support the belief that only, the only thing that is keeping Christ from returning now uh, is our missionary zeal or, or lack of our missionary zeal. That is to say that if we were to get enough missionaries to go into all the world and everybody could hear the gospel, all the nations of the world, all the tribes in the deepest jungles could hear about Christ, then Jesus would come back and uh, we'd be raptured and that's what it's all about. And so uh, uh, motives for missions often becomes uh, based upon this, based upon the return of Christ. And that's not accurate. Our motive for missions is the love of God constrains us. And we are told to go into all the world and preach the gospel, not go into all the world so we'll get Jesus back here quicker. Verse 11 has been misunderstood. That verse says, when they arrest you, deliver you up. Do not be anxious beforehand about what you are to say, but say whatever is given to you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but it is the Holy Spirit. This, believe it or not, has been used by some pastors to justify their lack of sermon preparation. That's right. You may not know that, but I know that. I remember one time I was at a conference in Texas, and I was with a, another pastor, in fact, a group of pastors, but I struck up a friendship with one pastor, and I had planned, we were there all week, and I had planned to have other speakers speak. I would be back, I think, on Friday, but I certainly didn't have time to prepare that week, and so I had someone who was going to speak in the morning and evening, and uh, this fellow had made no preparations. And each day as we'd get on the, the bus to go to our destination, I would say, well, did you study? Study it? You know where you're going to speak on Sunday? Nope. Spirit of God will give it to me. Spirit of God. And uh, I'm sure he said something, but I don't think it's what the Spirit of God had, had for him to say, because he should have been studying, because the Spirit of God has put the, the Word of God, His words, in the Bible. And so uh, sometimes pastors feel that this justifies that they don't have to study. I'll say more about that later when we get to this verse in our study. Verse 13 has been misunderstood also. Uh, verse 13 says, And you'll be hated by all on account of my name, but it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. This verse has been used by some to teach that personal salvation is achieved by endurance. If you just persevere, you will be a Christian. That salvation is not by grace uh, through faith. It is by persevering, by enduring, by hanging in there. And so ultimately they're saying it is a works salvation. Now, understanding prophecy is difficult enough, difficult enough, without having to sift your way through commonly misunderstood and misinterpreted verses. And that's why we're going through Mark chapter 13, just piece by piece, very slowly, because I want you to understand it. We want to know exactly what this chapter is about. And I think the key thing that will help you 
and keep Mark chapter 13 in perspective is that Mark 13 is dealing about the future, a future time known as the tribulation period, a seven-year period of time in which God is, is going to do some very unique things in that time period. The context tells us it is, it is a chapter focusing on the end times. It is not during the church age. The church will have been raptured before this ever begins it is really our Lord's response to a couple of questions about the end times. Notice verse 3 and 4. As he was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, Andrew were questioning him privately. So they asked him some questions. Tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign when all these things are going to be fulfilled? So they asked for a sign. That's, that's really what, what this is about. They asked for a sign that would indicate when Jesus was about to establish his kingdom. That will help you keep this chapter in perspective. In other words, when will this age end and what will be the sign that precedes the end? What will be the sign that we'll, we can look for to know that your kingdom is about to be ushered in? They were looking for a sign, but Jesus didn't give them just one sign. They asked for a sign, but Jesus gave them a number of signs. Mark 13 is about a number of signs. Things that these, those who will live, believers who will live during the tribulation can look for and know that when they see these things come to pass, sure enough, the end is very close. That's what Mark chapter 13 is about, a number of signs. In fact, Jesus said in verse 19, for those days will be a time of tribulation such as has not occurred since the beginning of the creation which God created until now and never shall be. It is signs during a time of tribulation. So there are signs, but they will be signs connected with suffering. And that's why verse 8 says these are compared to birth pangs of a woman in labor. These are compared to, to the, the labor pains of a woman who is about to deliver a baby. And so tribulation, suffering, uh, birth pangs, that's, you know, signs, that's, that's really what this chapter is about. So you don't need to be confused. If you get the, the big picture, uh, the details should fill in very nicely. So the, the chapter answers basically this question. What can believers living during the tribulation period expect to see in terms of signs pointing to the return of Christ? That's what chapter 13 answers. It answers that question. And we have seen in previous weeks uh, four signs. First of all, there'll be counterfeit messiahs. Jesus said in verse 5, See to it that no one misleads you. Many will come in my name saying, I am he, and will mislead many. Jesus said you can expect an onslaught of counterfeit messiahs who will say, I'm here, I've arrived. And uh, the chapter also says that they will deceive many. Why? Because later on Jesus said that they'll be able to perform supernatural deeds and, and miracles and people will, some people will be swept away by that. Not genuine believers, but some. So there'll be counterfeit messiahs. There have always been counterfeit messiahs, but in the tribulation there will be more. Second sign, conflicts between nations. Verse 7, when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be frightened. These things must take place, but that is not yet the end. There has always been conflicts between nations, but in the tribulation there's going to be more of that in intensity. Just like be, a, a woman who goes into labor, uh, it's, it starts at a certain point and, and it increases in frequency and intensity. It gets closer and closer and, and more difficult. That's what he means. During the tribulation it's going to be worse than in any other time. A third sign, there'll be calamities on the earth. 
Verse 8 says, for nation, and this is speaking still about the last sign, nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will also be famines. And then he said, these things are merely the beginning of birth pain. This is just the beginning. You haven't seen anything yet, he's saying. It's, it's just the beginning of, of like a woman in, in labor. It's rough, but it's not as rough as it's going to be. Now, last week we began looking and we need to continue it, the fourth sign is contempt for believers. There will be an increased hostility towards believers. Verse 9. But be on your guard, for they, meaning the authorities, will deliver you up to the courts, and you will be flogged in the synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them. Now, the people who trust Jesus during this time will be hated and persecuted. Someone asked me last week, will this be the church? No, the church is gone. And it's probably best to say that those who trust Christ, if you're going to put a label on them, call them tribulation saints, for lack of a better term. They won't really be a part of the church because the church will be gone, but they will be believers. And so call them tribulation saints or tribulation believers. Those who trust Christ will experience hatred and persecution. They're going to be brought before Jewish authorities. They're going to be brought before Gentile authorities. But Jesus said in verse uh, nine at the end, this is you can you'll stand before them for my sake as a testimony to them. In other words, that standing before these authorities will give them the platform to share the gospel. That's what it's all about. God will allow intense persecution to spread his word. And that's why verse 10 is so critical and important. And the gospel must first be preached to all the nations. There'll be a, a worldwide propagation of the gospel. And part of what God will use is the persecuted believers standing before authorities, men and women of influence who can take the gospel even around the world more than the believers, and they will hear the gospel. And I would suspect that some of them will be saved. Now, I want you to understand very important truth. The gospel does not have to spread to every nation today before Jesus can rapture his church. That is, that is not true. The gospel does not have to spread to every nation today before Jesus can rapture his church. In fact, no sign has to occur for the church to be raptured, for the church to be just snatched up. And when I say church, I don't mean just local churches. I'm talking church in the, in the sense that those who know Jesus Christ are part of his invisible body of believers. Actually, we are quite visible, but it does not mean buildings. That, that uh, the church is the body of Christ, regardless of where you might assemble on Sunday. The church is everyone who's ever trusted Jesus Christ for salvation. All true, born-again believers will be raptured, but no sign needs to take place. It could happen today. We are not looking for signs. We are looking for the Savior. Paul said that in Titus chapter 2, verse 13. He said, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, even Jesus Christ. We are not looking for signs. In the tribulation period, Jewish believers and other believers will be looking for signs. We are not looking for signs. We are looking for the Savior. So nothing needs to precede the rapture of the church. The church is, is told to look for the Lord. Now, this concept of worldwide gospel preaching will take place during the tribulation as a sign. In fact, Matthew's gospel makes it even, even clearer. If you look at Matthew chapter 24, verse 10, uh, Matthew makes it even clearer than Mark that this is tribulation preaching he's talking about. Matthew chapter 24. Verse 14, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world for a witness to all the nations, and then the end shall come. 
then the end shall come. It ha there has to be a worldwide proclamation of the gospel, and Matthew says, then the end will come. So this is the end time preaching. This is not church age preaching. This is the end time preaching. Now, we want to continue studying this fourth sign, the contempt for believers, in order to discover uh, what the tribulation period will be like and what will it be for believers during the tribulation and just prior to the Lord's return. I think this will be eye-opening uh, for many of us. Verse 11, as we go back to Mark 13. Verse 11. And when they arrest you and deliver you up, do not be anxious beforehand about what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but it is the Holy Spirit. Now previously in verse 9, Jesus said that believers were going to be delivered over to Jewish and Gentile authorities. His term delivered uh, can be used, and I think it's used here in a technical sense, of being arrested. Delivered in the sense of, of delivered over to be arrested. In other words, uh, they're going to arrest you. Now that's a frightening prospect. Frightening prospect. I want you to remember and keep in mind that the believers who will be arrested for their faith will become an ordinary people. people. These are not super-duper saints. These are not professional martyrs who come out of the closet and say, I'm here to die. These are people like, like us, common people. Housewives will be arrested. Businessmen will be arrested. Students will be arrested. Retirees will be arrested. People from all walks of life who know Jesus Christ will be arrested. This is not saying simply uh, the pastors and, and Christian leaders. Believers will be arrested. And it won't be easy for these folks to stand before governors and, and kings or presidents or whatever leaders and, and, and Jewish law courts and have to be brought before them on charges of heresy. Would that be easy for you? Wouldn't be easy for me. And that's exactly what he's saying. The, the natural tendency will be for them to be worried about, well, what am I going to say? Yeah, I, I need to speak about my faith. That's what I'm arrested for. And I don't know what to say. And Jesus says in verse 11, don't worry about it. You don't have to figure out now what you're going to say because the time when you appear before them, God will give you wisdom on what to say. Don't even try to plan your defense now. Don't fret over it. Don't go to sleep thinking about the speech you're going to make. Don't worry about it. The Holy Spirit will minister through you. Probably what he means is that the, the Holy Spirit will bring the appropriate scriptures to their minds. I don't think it means that all of a sudden they're inspired speakers. Because in John chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus said that after I'm gone, the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance what I've taught you. He'll teach you all things. He'll bring to your mind what I've, what I've said. So I think it means that when you stand before, when these believers stand before authorities, uh, the Spirit of God will bring appropriate scriptures to their minds. Because absolutely our authority is the Word of God. What you and I have to say, our, our testimonies are interesting and important, but they don't carry biblical weight. The Word of God does. Christians on trial for their faith can depend upon the Lord to give them the words to say to their accusers. They don't have to fret. They don't have to be anxious. You don't either have to do that now, even though you're not in the tribulation. Don't worry about these things. Some of us worry, well, what am I going to say if I get in this situation? Spirit of God will give you wisdom. Just walk with the Lord. Just walk with him. Walk in the Spirit. Walk with the Lord, and uh, you shouldn't have any problems. Now, let me stop here for a moment and, and reemphasize what I said a few minutes ago about pastors using this verse to justify lack of, of sermon preparation. There are some pastors who believe in extemporaneous preaching. And uh, you may not know of any, but they're out there. And uh, then again, maybe you do know of some. Uh, in other words, no sermon preparation do they feel is, is needed. In fact, they feel it's unspiritual. They can't imagine 
why anybody would spend time studying the Bible, why a pastor would spend time. They just sort of feel like uh, uh, there's a host of other things to do, and they can trust the Lord to, to give them the words to preach. They would feel like sermon preparation is stifling, it's unspiritual, and they would feel it's a waste of time. Why prepare for 25 hours when just before you get into the pulpit, the Spirit of God will give it to you? In fact, I heard about one minister who boasted uh, that all the time he needed to prepare his Sunday sermon was the few minutes it took him to walk from his parsonage to the church next door. Now, you know what the elders of that church did? They bought him a new parsonage five miles away. Right. No one wants sermons that you just get, you know, walking from your home right next door to the church. So they just bought him a house and, you know, spend some more time. Listen, Christ's promise of the Spirit giving believers words to, to speak refer not to sermons in church. Is it talking about the church? Absolutely not. Church isn't even in here. It's not talking about the church. It's talking about law courts, defense before, before Gentile and Jewish authorities. It has nothing to do with Sunday sermons. That's why we want to take the Bible in, in its context. We can all be encouraged by the fact that when we are in tough situations, we don't have to worry about how to witness for Christ. If you're walking, as I said before, walking with the Lord, walking in the Spirit, God will give us wisdom to say the right things. He'll bring the Scriptures to your mind. That's what this is talking about. And in context, tribulation. Now, how deep will hatred for believers run during the tribulation period? Verse 12. And brother will deliver up brother to death, and a father his child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. I know we read this and we say, how could this ever be? How, how could it be that family members will turn upon one another? What about natural affection? Well, Paul said something very interesting in 1 Timothy 3. He said, in the end times, men will not be naturally uh, loving. They'll be consumed with self. In fact, in, in Matthew 24, verse 12, which is not included in Mark, there's an interesting statement. Jesus said, because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. It'll be a time of, of love growing cold. It'll be a time that won't consist of natural affection. It will not be a time like, like today. Family members will turn upon others because they'll be obsessed with self and there'll be unrestrained sin. The church will not be here to restrain sin. And I'm not talking about legislating it just by its very presence of suppressing sin. People will do whatever they want, and whatever they want really concerns themselves. That's where, that's where human nature is at. Anything else is just, just restraint. So not only will there be official persecution, but even family members will turn upon one another, and their arrest will actually lead to death. I'll have more to say about this as we go further. But it won't stop there. Notice verse 13. And you will be hated by all on account of my name, which means society in general is going to hate Christians in the tribulation. Why? He says, on account of my name. In other words, because of their allegiance to Jesus Christ. For a believer in the tribulation, just because he wants to be loyal to Jesus Christ, he will suffer persecution. Not because he's doing anything that's, that's harmful, because he'll be an ally of Jesus Christ, loyal to him. And that's the same reason that you and I suffer today. We don't experience the persecution, at least we have not, that believers will in the tribulation, but we experience persecution. And down through church history, believers have experienced horrendous persecution, death and torture, and, and it's still going on in, in other countries. Not here. It might someday, but not, not yet. And the only difference with us today and the believers in the tribulation is that it will be a crime to be a Christian then. 
It'll be a crime. It'll be a criminal act to be a Christian. That's why they'll be arrested. Now, let me show you where I get that from. Revelation chapter 13, verse 4. Speaking of the Antichrist, that coming world ruler, and they worship the dragon, meaning they worship Satan, because he gave his authority to the beast. The beast is another name for the Antichrist. And they worship the beast, saying, who is like the beast and who is able to wage war with him? So the world in general is going to worship the Antichrist. We as humans are designed to worship God. However, most people have directed their worship to food, drugs, alcohol, sports, really anything other than God. In today's verse-by-verse program, Pastor Steve explained that in the tribulation, most of the people will worship the Antichrist, either by choice or by coercion. And those that don't, well, we will learn about the fate of those tribulation saints in the next verse-by-verse program. Thanks for joining us today on Verse by Verse. We certainly hope that as you listen, you're growing in your faith. If that is the case, would you tell a friend about Verse by Verse and where they can hear this program? Another source for Verse by Verse is on our website, versebyverseradio.org. There is a lot of good information there, and there are also links for our archives page or the podcast page. We invite you to check those out. We also invite you to join us next time for Verse by Verse as we continue to learn about the tribulation and the return of Jesus Christ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.